0: What's up, honey? I'm Sadie Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritually sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually sassy is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in the complex gray areas between normal and non-conformist. Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening. On the Spiritually Sassy Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together, one guest at a time. We're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a refer to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sá de Simone. Hello, my loves, and welcome to a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. Today's guest is Brett Bavel. Brett is a Reiki master and the author of several books, including Psychic Reiki, Reiki for Spiritual Healing, and Healing Racism Within. He teaches regularly at premier holistic venues, including the Omega Institute. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I don't even know how to begin to put put all this together for you guys. I'm sitting here today with a legendary piece to my puzzle, someone who... I don't know if he knows how much he's been instrumental in my growth and my transformation and my healing. Brett Bevel is the one who gave me my first ever teaching opportunity at the Omega Institute. Did you know that, Brett? I didn't know that. No.
1: Yes, I that.
0: yes. And that was like what catapulted everything for me. Yeah. So welcome to the show, my love. How's it going?
1: Good, good. It's so lovely to reconnect with you. And I. You know, I remember fondly those days when you were teaching here. I mean, the staff loved you. They loved your classes. And um, we have to get you back here in a bigger capacity now.
0: Yeah. And now we're talking about me coming back as teaching, like, to the actual uh, guests who come. When I was teaching there, I was a volunteer at the cafe, living out of a tent, and then teaching the staff. (laughs) <laughs> and look how far I've come. It's so wild what you could do in a lifetime, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel, you know, I feel proud every time I see your work out there in the world. And um, like I said, it's my intention to get you back here in a, in a bigger capacity. And I'm just honored, actually, that you mentioned now that um, that you got your start here. I didn't know that.
0: Yes, I did. And it was from you, and then I went to teach in Brooklyn at Maha Rose, and then whew, it just kind of all just went full power. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. First question I ask every guest, who are you right now?
1: Who am I right now? Um, I would say I'm, yes. I'm a happy, <laughs> I'm a happy father to a lovely six-year-old boy who had his first day in first grade today. He shed some tears when, when getting onto the bus this morning. But he's such a cute, sweet little wizard. I just, uh, I feel my world really revolves around him in a lot of ways. And his his, his lovely mom too, my wife, Halima. Um, yeah, I just feel like I, I'm so immersed in that world with the two of them. Uh, it, and it brings me so much joy to be in that place
0: oh that's so sweet yeah i actually um remember uh because i think i was at omega around around the like i was at omega in 20 like 15 and then 2016. Mm-hmm. yeah So is he was this born in 2015. he was born in like...
1: 2015.
0: Yeah. so i remember seeing around the little baby wizard there it is yes yeah yeah oh my god you know, um, let's jump into this amazing new book that you just wrote called Healing Racism Within a Lightworker's Guide. Okay, can we talk about all the things? Tell me about the book and what prompted you to write this book?
1: Sure, yeah. So I'll, I'll just be as transparent as I can. So I was uh, in this yeah. life of... Uh, For whatever reason i was born into a into a family that you know had people around who were murderers and pedophiles and i was very traumatized being a child in that environment and as i engaged my own healing process over the years i also witnessed a race-based murder when i was a toddler and as i engaged my own healing process over the years i began to to see that those those shifts in my own consciousness, the release of the shame, the release of the pain, that within mm-hmm. that, those same tools that could help me with that could also help me to release all the negative conditioning that I had been raised with, all the all the mm. racist mindset that I had, that had been poured into my brain as a child, that those same tools mm-hmm. worked on that level as well. And I also could see similar patterns between the family system that I grew up with where you know you really couldn't talk about certain things. And when I look at society as a whole, that same kind of taboo around having conversations in a deep and meaningful way around issues around race and the trauma that exists there for us as a society. So I began to see mm-hmm. these patterns just being very, very similar and started to realize that, that the work that I used to heal myself from my childhood trauma could also be used help you know heal that that racist conditioning that i was born into and also help Mm -hmm. in in my my own way try to help shift the culture at large because i feel that we certainly need to do the the work of you know changing laws and changing policies and doing the the more outward activist work which is certainly essential and important that's right there's also that inner work there's those psychic walls that that energetic matrix that we exist Mm -hmm. in that has been born from this, you know, five hundred plus years of uh, oppression and, um, you know, conditioning. And energetically, it's it's there, and it needs to be released and unwound. And the tools that I've worked with as an energy healer can certainly work on that in a in a profound way, at least for an individual. And I think mm-hmm. as more individuals do this kind of work for society at large as
0: well. Mm, wow, you know. Um, you bring something up that I think um, you know. It's it's a huge part of my work. It's you know, two things come to mind. One, I was um, I was uh, you know, co-facilitating this this talk about spiritual awakening with Marianne Willinson a couple of weeks ago, and um, I mentioned that uh, I was talking. I was mentioning to her that I was. Um, teaching people during, the, the, during the, the, the Black Lives Matter revolution about mm-hmm. praying uh, for, uh, you know, praying for, for, the, for those who are racist, praying for those who are uh, homophobic, praying for the oppressor. Um, and I was putting a lot of effort in that, more effort in that than, than telling people to go uh, do the outward thing. Because in my mind, and she schooled me on the record, which is really yeah. awesome. and i'm I'm you know I'm I'm an open book with the work that I do, so I don't I don't have a problem outing this this part to you and to yeah. everyone listening here. But what I said to her on, on the record and uh, on this as we we're co-, co facilitating this talk about spiritual awakening, I said, I kept I keep I, my part is about helping people to to not be okay in a sick society, but to really like, recognize that a sick society is a reflection of sick minds, right? Of, of, of really wobbly, yeah. crunchy, um, destructive minds, right? And then, so my work is to help people to transform their minds. Look inside, go inside, work with your own inner demons, right? Transform your inner demons into fiery wisdom so you can, so you can, we can create a, a, a better world starting with, with our own inner world, right? Mm-hmm. And then she said, yes, that's good. And... Inner world and polit- spirituality and politics have to be interchangeable. We have to be educating people on both. Uh, we have to be guiding people to do these, to make these internal commitments and alliances to be better humans. Um, and then they have to show that, that these inner alliances have taken place by going out and doing the things. And I was like, okay, honey, I, I, yes, yes, mother, I hear you. Thank you. (laughs) I 100% agree. And I just felt like I've just just been so ignorant around politics. You know, I've been just kind of ignorant Mm and so, um, and just feeling like afraid of that whole world. So I said, let me focus on what I can. But, you know, hearing you talk about like this, the similar thing of like healing your own inner world and then speaking about helping people to create these these institutional changes um, I love all of this and now I want to talk about one thing that I think it's um it's kind of like the under undertone to the book right mm-hmm. it's like healing the internalized racism because mm-hmm. you had internalized racism right I'm assuming this is a yeah um, yeah,
1: yeah oh big yeah
0: part of no. what you, and I had internalized homophobia. Uh Being someone who's gay and I would literally see gay couples and I'd be like, oh, my God. Or I would say, get a room or, oh, my God, don't be gross. I would do this. I would do that. So I'm curious to know from your world, you know, how did it show up for you and like develop on that term for us more internalized uh, racism? Yeah,
1: for me, it was it was really, you know, it was really, again, just kind of questioning all the different things that were going on in my mind as I was trying to sort of separate from my uh challenging family that I that I grew up with and it it was interesting because you know on my my parents were divorced when I was five years old Uh, my mother on the on the outside world seemed to be very progressive and liberal and yet Underneath that, there were all these little mm. nuances in language, nuances in who she chose to hang out with or not hang out with. Um, I remember mm. once when when my brother and I went to uh, with with our grandparents, who also on the outside seemed to be very liberal. And I remember us going to to where they grew up in Texas, and how the, the closer mm. they got to their their old um, friends, how they started using terms like, you know, those people to describe people of color and how those people, well they wow. they need to remember their place. And and in my mind I was like I I don't know, I was probably like 12 or 13 at that time and I remember my mind being blown like this doesn't sound like the language of people who are really progressive and trying to create a, mm-hmm. a more healthy world. And mm-hmm. the more I d- dug deeper into my own experience, again, I could see that 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 kind of veneer of what I call maybe an, an inauthentic liberal, uh, racist that, that, Mm -hmm. that I had also kind of inherited some of that. And, and Mm -hmm. I also saw that, you know, even, even when I was first kind of, I would say the seed for this book really happened in the, in the late 1990s when I was getting my master's degree at San Francisco State University and my, My master's thesis was actually a piece of performance art that involved me going and reading poetry about a race-based murder that I witnessed when I was a child and going very deep into that experience and also attuning the audience to Reiki and doing healing ritual around that whole experience to send healing not only to myself but also to the person who had been killed, to that person's family, to just Mm -hmm. try to bring some healing into that. And the performance itself went really oh my well, but I noticed when I started reading those same poems at uh, cafes in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, the very kind of white, liberal, neo-beat <laughs> crowd wanted to shut me down. I, I, I was actually mm. uh, removed from a list of readers who were supposed to do a presentation at the North Beach public library. It wasn't the library that removed me, but it was the, the person who had organized the event because, you know, they started wow. thinking of me as this white trash poet, like, oh, he's, we shouldn't be talking about this stuff. And in my mind, like, how can you heal this stuff if you don't talk about the, the nitty gritty, the, the depth of the, the pain, whether that's, you know, rape or murder or, you know, the, the, the real raw guts of what happens in a, in a racist mm-hmm. society. And I was just trying to talk about it openly, and they were, they were actively trying to shut me down. And that's when a light went on in my head, like, there's a bigger wound here in our society that I think mm-hmm. we don't see, regardless of what side of the political spectrum we might be on, you know, that there's a, a greater mm-hmm. sort of trauma. And I talk about it in the book, like, you know, that... that when you think of like 500 years of this pain accumulating, I think we've built these little ridges and these little walls in our consciousness where we just don't want to look at that, at that pain to think that your grandparents or great grandparents may have been, you know, contributing that to that in, in some, mm-hmm. whether conscious or unconscious way. You know, the analogy I use is if you look at other times in history, you know, in, in, uh, in, in the, in the in the Mayan world when they used to, you know, cut people's hearts out at the top of the pyramids. Well, I'm sure there was, there was some trauma in that wow. society as well, but did people mm. notice it or talk about it? Probably not. So I often use that, that mm. comparison, like in our modern in our modern day society, how are we actually looking at that trauma and how is it held in, in, in the bonding patterns between us and our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our coworkers? And again, I, I my experience has shown me that people can also still be externally seemingly very liberal or open-minded, and still kind of hold this tension of not even being able to to have a conversation around these very difficult things that have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, pers- on a personal level, and also just uh, society at large. So, the book is really about you know tools and ways to really look at that in oneself, and also to hopefully bring healing outward into the world
0: around those issues. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, I literally can relate a hundred percent when it comes to the, to like uh, queer phobia and homophobia and, and racism in, in, a, in a multiplicity of ways, you know, and, and sort of educating, like, because my sister and my brother, I, they're, they're white passing. You look at my mom, she's white passing. You look at my dad, he's white passing. I'm the only one who has a darker skin and who also happens to be gay. I got the double, you know, Uh I got the double (laughs) layer of like, you know, one could say trauma, one could say of evolutionary traits, one could say of, of... the double capacity to support the the greatest, most prolific healing in the world. We can, we can sort of speak in a multiplicity of ways about what it means to be a person of color, what it means to be a person of color who's also queer in today's world, how these are. You know, I often say that unless people are learning from queer folks, unless people are learning from people of color, if you're a healer and you're not learning about their stories, you're not like, really doing your best effort to merge your consciousness with theirs, to really study their pain, study their suffering, study their culture not study as like, let me study so I can save you. Like, let me really step my shoe, step into your shoes, you know, so much. So as a healer, I say this often to people because I think a lot of people are really well there. Everyone is very well, you know, they have really well intentions, really pure intentions, but the, the the impact of their meaningful intentions oftentimes um, leads to more trauma, right? Unless they're really getting to know the black, brown, and queer, indigenous people of color culture, um, they won't be able to touch the, the pulse of suffering in such a profound way that, and because of that, they're not going to be able to... Uh, really understand the the fullness of suffering so they're not gonna be able to, to glimpse the the, the the fullest nectar of liberation. That's my view. That's my yeah. view, you know what I mean?
1: No, I would I would say you and um it perfectly.
0: Mm. Yeah. Say that again?
1: I said I think you're stating it perfectly. I think that the you know it's that, that ability to really you know as a white right. person, I am I'm you know, married to a woman of color, and I often, you know, see or try to see things from from her eyes, from her pain, and and also recognize, even also in seeing it in my son, I mean, taking him to certain Mm -hmm. activities, where it's him, and then a mostly, you know, white group of other little kids, and how are they interacting or not interacting with him, and is that based That's on the right. color of his skin? I don't know, but those questions start to arise and just being able to, mm-hmm. to see that you know, as his father and wanting also to be able to you know, change the world so he doesn't have to experience that kind of, if you want to say discrimination yeah. or pain or trauma. Um, you know, and again, mm-hmm. I think it can happen in very, very subtle ways, even among the most well-meaning individuals you know, even from the tone of voice or not looking at somebody, you know, like literally averting your eyes to somebody. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine and, uh, uh, an older woman who, um, was mentioning to me how, you know, even though she feels she's very progressive, how she sometimes, you know, will still cross the street if there's a person of color on the other side of the street coming towards her. And I think about that in my own life and, and, I don't do that anymore, but it really changed Mm -hmm. for me when I was actually living in Oakland. And I started, I was working at this place called Mm -hmm. Quickway, which was pretty much catering to the black community. And most of my coworkers were black. And as I was working there, I was really Mm -hmm. realizing how screwed up (laughs) I was because I was thinking, you know, here, why am I wanting to cross the street when I see a person of, or usually a man of color, on the same side of the street, why am I crossing the street when the people who sexually abused me were white, the person who 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 raped me was white, the person who put a hatchet into my older brother's arm was white. So all the all the all the evidence of my life experience was saying the people who I should be frightened of should be white people not, not people of color, nobody, a, a person of color had ever done anything harmful to me and yet so what was i basing this mm-hmm. this action on and so really kind of starting to question those mm-hmm. belief systems in my own mind and also you know really mm-hmm. shifting because of that you know
0: mm-hmm. oh my goodness honey oh my goodness thank you for your vulnerability you're like bringing me to tears over here i'm like wow oof yeah i mean and and i i love the i love the that you are noticing how this is playing out in your wife's life and your, in your um, kids and your, in your, the baby wizard's life, because oftentimes I have to show the closest people to me uh, in my family, how the world interacts with me, how the world non-verbally communicates to me, how the world non-verbally like they have the, the microaggressions in a variety of ways, you know, Yeah. In the way I'm the way people look at me up and down and the way people cross me in line or the way people just push themselves over. It's just it's 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 a really interesting thing. So oftentimes, um, not as not as much anymore, but I've 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 stopped at at these places and I said, look how how the world relates to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then now and just be the observer to that. And, and see how the world relates to you because of your skin color. And I think there's also a huge problem in the spiritual community because people address the, they address unity consciousness and Christ consciousness and Buddha consciousness and cosmic mother consciousness. And they say, we're all one. I don't see color. It's like, honey, you don't have access to absolute truth until you have mastered Relative reality, and I guarantee you, and I'm gonna get lit right now that you have not mastered relative reality because your life is still a fucking shit show. So, therefore, you cannot come up in here and say, I wear a smoothie before you recognize that we are all different fruits. You know, you don't come up in here saying that we're all beautiful, delicious smoothie, not yet, sis. You know, not yeah. yet,
1: yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I talk about that same, same kind of issue in my book where. You certainly, I've encountered that you know in in my journey, which has been very involved in in you know those same kinds of healers and and mm-hmm. you know often very well meaning, but still coming from a place of untruth. And the, the the analogy I use is is of a rainbow, right? So on one level, yeah, you can say we're all one, the same way that the light that creates a rainbow, that light all comes from the sun, and yet. There's a very specific difference between the red and the blue and the yellow of the rainbow. And the way I look at that is that, you know, if you think of it as a soul's journey, yeah, maybe as souls we are all one. But there's a very specific difference between a soul experience who is born as a person of color who's having to experience that residual generational trauma versus a white person's soul Mm -hmm. experience who hasn't had to engage that on that level not that they may not have other traumas to deal with but it's a totally different picture and unless you're really honoring that as a healer and being honest about that as a healer then you're missing a big chunk of a person's humanity and who they really are so i think it's essential that we really be able to pick apart all those little belief systems and and deconstruct them and re-examine them and say yeah maybe on some level yes there's a oneness there behind it, but the way it is expressing itself through our physical bodies in mm-hmm. this time and space, in this matrix of reality that we are in now, that is expressed mm-hmm. in, in two totally different ways. And you, for you to mm-hmm. – or for a person to try to deny a person's history or their their generations of pain, um, there's, <laughs> there's nothing love and light about that, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm.
0: – Mm-mm. Wow! Oof, honey, mic drop over here. Yes, this is it. I see how powerful and important and vital this work is. You know, because you you are so immersed and in, in from you are literally like creating people's careers in the wellness space. You're giving voice to people and and to you're literally a, you can catapult people into the into the next stage of their of their personal evolution, but the, the evolution of their career. Um mm. you know, by being at Omega, by 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 having the influence that you have. Uh so thank you for 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 being so like blunt and so uh clear about about this. And I love the metaphor of the rainbow. This the I'm gonna re-listen to this and just like let that sink in because that was so beautiful. I never heard that before. That is so incredible. Tell me about some of the tools. Like what could the white healer do to sort of like become a, a more a, a better version of themselves and, and a better uh, you know someone who's who's co creating miracles from a very very pure in place.
1: Sure. So I mean, there's the, there's a number of different tools, but I'll, I'll I'll start with one that's pretty easy and yet I, I've also found it to be very profound. And it's a it's mm. a technique that I call uh, expressing racial gratitude. So, you know, especially in places like Omega, you know, we talk about gratitude a lot. We talk about how that can help rewire the brain and change things in a positive way. And so what I've been, been doing in my own journey is very specifically using that process to specifically intend, you know, like 20 times a day, write down a list where you're intending to focus that gratitude on somebody who's different or something that's different or a culture that's different so it's not just about oh i'm brett and i'm grateful for my job at omega but also you know i'm grateful for this amazing culture that my wife has exposed me to through you know where she comes from in terms of her heritage coming from bangladesh and the amazing food that i have experienced through that I give gratitude to Mm -hmm. the spirit of Muhammad Ali for his courage and inspiring me as a young boy who admired him on television and founding his courage to be important and powerful and his outspokenness to be amazing, not to mention his his rhyming poetry. And so really, really creating a list like that and going through and very specifically expressing gratitude, but it's widening that circle. So it's not just about something for yourself, but being grateful for people or cultural attributes or things that are outside of your own sort of inner circle of whether it's being white or whatever, so that you're really Mm. kind of stretching that gratitude fabric, that gratitude consciousness in your own mind and beginning to really you know, rewire your brain to then be grateful for somebody who looks different than you, to be grateful for cultures that are different than yours. And the strangest thing that I have to say is that as as I did that work, what I found in the beginning, which is really interesting and kind of leads me on to a whole other tangent, is I found that I would get amazingly tired. And the reason I, I believe that I got tired is I actually believe that at, in the, this 500 plus years of of you know racism and that consciousness of white supremacy that that it has built literally these kind of psychic grooves that we just unconsciously ride it right and that when we when we use a wow. practice like expressing racial gratitude we're actually coming up against a wall of one of those grooves and I experienced it physically That's as right. as extreme tiredness and you just you just keep doing the exercise until that tiredness goes away until you can really then embrace, you know, that full expression of that racial gratitude. And the exercise on itself it may seem even like, you know, oh that sounds too simple or too flippant, but I I, I encourage people just try it. Try it for a week and especially if you start to feel resistant or if you start to feel tired, that's more impetus to do it even more because that means you're coming up against that what I call those psychic grooves that have evolved in our the matrix of our world that have existed now for hundreds of years that we're not even aware of. Right. And so, you know, that, that's one simple tool. The book also, I love that.
0: I love that, Brett.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And uh, again, that's something anybody can do, but I'm also an energy healer. And so I, I do offer specific energy healing techniques in the book based on some advanced Reiki techniques that I call psychic Reiki, where you can then also send healing into your ancestral lineage, you know. So it's not that you're sending Reiki to your ancestors, but you're using Reiki to clear the energetic lines, the energetic, you know, shamanic cords between you and your grandparents, your great grandparents, your great great grandparents, and any of the the energetic garbage that may be held in those lines. To literally try to clean that up, mm-hmm. and to clear that up, um, and also, to, you know, to literally use what I call the Reiki crystal, which can bring people into different all what I call divine altered states of consciousness, where you can then use that Mm -hmm. Reiki crystal to bring you into a certain meditation of like, what do I need to see that I'm not seeing? Show me those blind Mm -hmm. spots, right? I've used that in my in my own work, and have been really amazed at like, oh, Oh, even though I I feel like I'm doing a lot of work and I am doing a lot of work, there's still a blind spot here and it's showing it to me. And how can I work on that? So uh, those Reiki Mm -hmm. crystal meditations can be very powerful in that way, too. So it's really just giving people tools, very specific tools that they can use to work on that energetic equation of how we're holding those those negative bonds of, of racist consciousness in our aura, in our karmic body, in our mental body in the cells the cellular memory of our body and how do we begin to release Mm. that using these these kind of tools to wake ourselves up and then also wake up society at large
0: Mm. wow i love all of this so much and and as you're saying about the about the uh um, racial gratitude is that what you called it
1: Yeah. yeah 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 racial gratitude
0: I want to offer something else. It's, it's, it was it came to me. It's like yeah. offer, then think about as you do that racial gratitude. Then go go uh, add one extra layer to that practice as well. Everyone who's listening, and and let's use the the terminology that Brett used here, but call it but use it like racial blessing. You know, as you're grateful for them, as you're grateful for for for. Um, for, for people of color in your life, or those who are not in your life, those who have inspired you and those who have not inspired you. And then carry that mindset out into the world and see if you can actually, everyone that you see, every person of color that you see out in the world, offer them a silent blessing. May all your mm-hmm. prayers be answered. May all your dreams come true. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And just work with that. The gratitude and the blessing um, I love this. I'm like, yes, honey, that's amazing. Wow. Wow, wow. Listen, tell me about the role of forgiveness. Because like listening to your story, mm-hmm. like having been uh, you know, sexually um abused and then growing up in, in a in a racist uh household and around all this like you know, excuse my language, but all this fucked up shit that happened, yeah. you yeah. know, um yeah. and then waking up to it and being like and then you know when we are, we have these jolts of of spiritual awakening and we're like oh, holy fuck what's been happening oh my god and you we we've done a great job at sort of like uh pushing to the back door to the back room of the of the of our of our minds uh you know all the way back there so then when we have a, that jolt experience of of awakening all of that stuff now is like, hey girl, I've been back here. What's up? I'm coming, coming up, you know? Um, tell yeah. me about the role of forgiveness because how do we, how do we like, how do we sort of like stop the cycle of suffering from carrying on?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about forgiveness in, in a couple ways. Uh, one is in terms of forgiving, please, my in own... all
0: the ways. We all, yeah. we love forgiveness yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So forgiving forgiving those who abused me i'll i'll start first with that so i think first of all there's a difference mm-hmm. i think between forgiveness which for me is like i think if, if i think of like anger or resentment as being like some energetic rock <laughs> that you're holding in your pocket your whole life and the more of those rocks that you you're carrying the more it's literally weighing you down so forgiveness is where, where you can let go of that rock that you're carrying, you know, wanting to, whether it's, you know, find retribution or payback or that person's going to, you know, get their karma or however you're wanting to envision it, that, that, that you're letting go of that, that piece and you're not wanting that. You're not wishing harm upon anybody for the things that they did to you or to others. So you're not wanting to create. You're not wanting to continue that cycle of pain and suffering. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't see forgiveness as as necessarily just like a blank check of like, oh well, it's okay that they beat me and raped me. It just means that I'm no longer holding on to it. I'm not. It's not that I'm Mm -hmm. have reengaged with my family or that I'm close friends with anybody who treated me that way. I have kept my distance. But I would say that there was a time in my life where I probably you know, was holding on to a lot of resentment, a lot of pain. And I would have my little evil thoughts now and then like, oh, I hope they get there's, And I'm no longer in that place. So in that way, I feel like I have achieved a place of forgiveness. I actually have an interesting story related to that where because part of my life I was, was living in New Mexico, a lot of a lot of my life I grew up in Albuquerque. And there was a time when anytime I would go back to New Mexico, I would experience these ext- Extreme migraine headaches like I like curl up on the floor kind of headaches, right? And so I just never wanted to go Mm -hmm. back there anymore And then there was an energy healing training that I really really wanted to take part of in 2004 It was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I actually called Mm -hmm. the teacher saying hey, you know Can't you have this training somewhere else? Can't you have it like in New York or San Francisco? (laughs) I really want to take it, but I just don't want to go back to New Mexico, right? Uh, and the teacher, who's actually a, a, a beautiful healer uh, named Alexander Marquette, who I consider to be a mentor, said, no, no, I'm not going to change it. And you're supposed to come to this and you will find a lot of healing in that. And so oh. it was a it was a long training. And, um, you know, I remember at one point during the training, I felt what felt like a puff like an energetic smokestack in my spine, like this puff of like yellowish gunk literally shooting out my spine up through the top of my crown chakra and leaving me. And I remember in that instance, wow. I had this feeling like I could go back to the the home that I used to live in and not that anybody I know lives there anymore, but I could go back there and it would be okay. I'm not gonna have any migraines. I'm not gonna have that issue anymore. I just suddenly felt like mm-hmm. I was clean and clear of it. And when the training ended, I did actually... Uh, ask a friend who had a rental car, like, hey, would you mind driving me by the place where I used to live? And we drove by my old home where a lot of this pain and suffering had, had happened. And looking at that home, it was like looking at like a glass of water or a spoon. Like there was no charge. There was no rage. There was no depression. There was no sadness. It was just totally neutral. Like it was gone. I was free of it. I was free of that entanglement. So for me, Forgiveness is when you when you're no longer entangled with that trauma or that person or wishing them harm, when you can liberate yourself from it and you're just free and you're not you're not wishing suffering on anybody. You know, like I said, I don't I'm not connected to those who I who I uh, was at the abusing hand of, but I don't wish them any harm. I'm not wishing them any suffering. I feel free from that connection. And so to me, that's how I see forgiveness. And, you know, there are different paths Mm -hmm. for different people to get there, whether it's through prayer or, you know, ritual, shamanic ritual or energy healing can get you there. So I think we can each find our own medicine for how to find that place of forgiveness. But forgiveness, I think, Mm -hmm. is certainly an essential part of the equation, because otherwise you're carrying all these big energetic rocks in your pocket that are literally just weighing you Mm -hmm. down you
0: know mhm mhm mm. wow that's beautiful thank you thank you thank you so much and then for the for the for the people who are who have the internalized uh, racism who are wanting to step into the role of a healer who are wanting to step into the or just you know what it, it goes even even it's even wider than that everyone anyone who wants to 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 become a better human you know and yeah. enter into the world like Asking for forgiveness of, of 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 believing those those racist thoughts, right? Asking yeah. for forgiveness, and it doesn't have to be something that you go and turn a letter in to a person who you've thought very racist, oppressive, harmful thoughts about. It doesn't have to be yeah. like that, you know. It doesn't have to be face to face in this way. It could be between you and you. It could be in the energetic realm. It could be yeah. um, it could be a, a change of hearts that happens between you and you, and then. Yeah. How you interact with the world, your presence, the quality of your presence totally changes. When you're around black and brown and queer bodies, your presence no longer communicates violence. Your presence communicates yeah. safety and kindness yeah. and belonging and and sweetness and 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 just there's this uh, there's this delicious like warmth of a mother that's non-verbally communicated about you when you engage in the action, in the act in the in the active Art of forgiveness when it comes to anything, and in this context that we're talking about here, um, you know, forgiving those who have brutally harmed us, and then asking for forgiveness of the ways that we have unintentionally, uh, because of our conditioning, because our environment, um, harmed other people, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I, um, I want to give a shout out to some somebody who is not mentioned in the book because I actually wasn't even aware of this technique until the book was already finished and out, but I just want to acknowledge there's a beautiful technique, uh, by, by Lisa Nichols, um, where she talks about being in front of the mirror and making seven statements in the mirror of things that you are proud about for yourself. And then seven mm-hmm. statements of things that you forgive yourself for, and then seven statements mm-hmm. of things that you are committing to yourself. And in doing that work, um, you know, there, that's a beautiful opportunity. For a person to really do this kind of forgiveness work i mean you there's certainly other ways a person could do it you know ceremoniously with their higher self and things but even just standing in front of a mirror and just saying you know every day seven things brett i forgive you for you know and just stream of consciousness letting those things come out and doing it every day and i've been doing it now for the last six months and it has been very powerful so again it's not related to the book but it's a very powerful technique in, in terms of working on forgiveness uh, I give a huge shout out to, to Lisa Nichols for that beautiful technique. Mm-hmm.
0: And one thing that we just did in, in Spain, um, it was a forgiveness ritual where we spent the afternoon um, writing forgiveness letters. So the, 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 there's mm-hmm. the tr- trifecta of forgiveness. I forgive myself for the ways that I've harmed myself, intentionally or unintentionally. To those that I've harmed, please forgive me. And to those, to those that have harmed me, I forgive you and mm-hmm. this this trifecta let me let me say it again i forgive myself please forgive me and i forgive you so we wrote these three letters and then mm. we went to this mountaintop and we burned the letters and then we used the ashes to sprinkle them on, on the, in the ocean and mm. we did it at sunset and then by the time the sun was set it was already dark it was already like dark we were by the water um and it was like a beautiful moon and it was the whole thing was like, oh my God, it, it felt like a scene out of a movie we were sprinkling the ashes uh, in the ocean, you know, so that you could do like that. You could, uh, you could, you could burn that and then use the ashes and get some, some dirt and, and, and dig up a hole and put a seed in there and put the ashes with the, with the mud, with the dirt and, you know, for use that to sort of fertilize the soil uh, and, and watch a new seed grow. I mean, Ritualizing mm. anything—the way I speak about ritual—is anything that you do with an intention to heal yourself and help the world at large mm-hmm. becomes a ritual. Anything that has the most mundane action, if if partnered with the intention, with an altruistic motivation, can be a ritual. It becomes a ritual. That's that's how I see it. No,
1: I would I would totally agree in Let's what you're saying. Let's talk about. Huh? Go ahead. I was going to say, it actually reminds me of a... a, a no, 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 please, you. I mentioned in the book where, uh, mm. you know, when I was doing that art project that I talked about earlier in the late 1990s, part of it involved writing letters to uh, the spirit of the person who I had seen be murdered as a child, writing letters, expressing my own grief, and then literally burning them, it's kind of like intending that that that... that you know, what What I was writing was going to that person's spirit and then taking the ashes and then creating a work of art with it. So I had bought like a canvas that was about the size of my body and literally using those ashes, drew an image of myself, an image of my grief. And then I remember uh, displaying that in in our classroom at, at San Francisco State University and just then talking about that, that experience. So in that case, it was about grief, but you could also use that same thing you know, to kind of embody a self-portrait of forgiveness for yourself, you know, using those ashes to smear onto the to the canvas or onto, you know, uh, you know, a, a piece of paper even, just and just literally giving a, a public image to your grief, to your forgiveness, to your letting go of that conditioning. And then what I encourage in the book is then take that. And then find a public place to put it, even if it's just like at a, a bulletin board at Whole Foods or whatever, just post it somewhere so that that image is then being seen and like, you know, radi- radiating out into the world
0: in some way. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. I love all of this. Oh, my God. This is so amazing. I love this. Listen, I want to talk about something that I've been so curious to ask you, and I never had the, the courage in the past to yeah. ask you about this. Tell me about Merlin. Tell me about Uh, the lineage of Merlin. Tell me about that. Like, I've been dying to know about this.
1: Sure. So Merlin, um, personally, I connect to Merlin through the energy work that I do called Magical Awakening. And uh, my first introduction to the world of Merlin as an energy healer happened through my training in a different lineage called Vortex Healing. And... In verte- Ooh, vortex, i remember healing, the they- vortex
0: honey i no. remember the vortex healing at no. Omega. <laughs> no <In laughs> vortex, they
1: consider uh. they consider Merlin to be an avatar just the same way that Christ was an avatar but to be but being whereas Christ was an avatar about kind of divine love and forgiveness they see Merlin as being an avatar about divine healing magic and so um i relate to Merlin in that in that same way and i see Merlin as as a guardian of the uh, magical awakening system that I've, that I've channeled through um, being this very playful and irreverent and yet kind of all seeing consciousness that is behind that energy. So, I mean, for me, I also, when I'm doing that work also feel like I also connect to the divine feminine aspect of that, who I see as, as lady of the lake. And to me, that's just a name that I'm giving to that Divine Feminine Magical Healing Consciousness. So when I'm working with them, uh, you know, it's Merlin and Lady of the Lake, and they're just bringing through this this very playful uh, divine healing energy that, that's coming through uh, the healer in the magical awakening system. And for me, I'm not a musician, but when I'm in that space, the best way I can describe it is I feel like I'm in this energetic jazz improv with the divine. And I'm just riffing Mm. off these different energetic notes. I'm not even thinking about something being broken or needing to be fixed. I'm just literally playing the same way a child plays. And in the course of that, an amazing healing will happen.
0: Wow. Give us a little, just a tiny little bit background about Merlin for those who are like, who's Merlin? Right. So Merlin,
1: I mean, there's the historical Merlin who, uh, you know, who was uh, the uh, kind of the wizard in King Arthur's court. That's the historical Merlin now in in vortex they would say that there was actually a Merlin before that who they say uh, lived in India about five thousand years ago who was named mahindra and that and that Merlin actually then became a title that was used to confer somebody who was a teacher of that style of energy healing so that in vortex they believe that the Merlin of King Arthur's court was actually a vortex healing teacher. And that's just a term that they use for teachers. They're a Merlin, right? So there was a historical, wow. you know, character who was, you know, written about in, in the literature. But it, again, in vortex healing, there's the belief that there was actually an avatar who lived 5,000 years ago, who would, you could think of as that original Merlin presence. For me, I I, I believe that. And yet I also feel like I I just... Think of Merlin in a more general term as that magical, playful, divine, magical healing consciousness of the divine, and however it shows up for me in my personal mm-hmm. life or in my personal healings, to me that's that's Merlin. But I think they're all, they're all different aspects or expressions of Merlin.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there a way to to give people a taste of this of this healing? Um, work via a, a recording of a podcast, remote like this. Is there a way that we could do something like this?
1: Yeah, you mean like you, you want me to do a little blast for your audience? Would you like that or, or yes, or you, exactly? Like, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> yes. I could do that. I would love to do that. I love doing that kind of thing. Okay. So, um, I would. I'll do like maybe like a you know four or five minute little healing. Is that okay? Does that sound all right?
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, you know, just give a little short warning ahead of time that if you're listening to this and you're also driving a car or chopping vegetables, maybe, you know, hit it on pause and wait for a point when you can actually sit down and give your full attention to this because the the healing can take you into an altered state. So I want to make sure that you're in a safe place with that. So, you know, get comfortable, either seated or lying down. And I'm going to begin, you know, the cool thing about the energy now is it just relates to me just talking to it. So I'm just going to simply ask, Merlin's Book of Magic to create a pyramid of blue fire around everybody who's listening to this right now in whatever time and space. And also around that to manifest a sphere of divine light of the grail around that pyramid of blue fire and to also manifest a cube of Excalibur around each person on this call. And also manifesting cords of gemstone of Excalibur running between each and every bone in each person's body, between each and every other bone within their own skeletal system, manifesting a beautiful web of holy healing light inside of each person. Also inviting Merlin's Book of Magic to create cords of gemstone of Excalibur through each organ and organ system running from the moment of birth up to the present moment for each person on this call now. And also inviting Merlin's Book of Magic to bring everybody into the lake. And the lake I see not as a body of water, but as that kind of primordial liquid space of who we are before we crystallize into this world of form. So bringing everybody into the lake now, and shortly I'm gonna invite Lady the Lake to come through and do a specific healing on each individual person. (laughs) So just now inviting Lady the Lake to come through into the healing, and she'll just do a little special something for each person. She's a multi-dimensional uh, being, so she will come through. She's usually very quick with her work, sometimes, you know, 10 or 15 seconds, sometimes a minute. But I still feel her presence in the space, so just honoring that and just, again, allowing her to do whatever is needed and... Um, I can feel her actually doing some work related to the topic of our call today, releasing some uh, energies around racial conditioning and also racial trauma. (sighs) However, that shows up for each person on this call. And from here, now bringing through the element of earth as a pair of hands performing what I call a healing emanation. So you may almost feel like there's a pair of spirit hands resting on you now on a neutral place, such as your shoulders, or on your belly, or just anywhere that the Divine is choosing to touch you. And you'll just let those kind of pair of spirit hands kind of radiate and call forth your own true divine essence. And just let that unfold for a few short minutes. And while that's happening, I'll also bring through the element of Earth as a crystal gemstone healing allowing Merlin to pick the energetic properties of whatever crystals or whatever gemstones uh, should be for each individual in this healing. And then I'm going to bring through one more tool before winding things into a place of integration. So inviting Merlin's Book of Magic to create... A decahedron of the many folds of the universe that allow us to be together at this space and time. Which is a tool in the magical awakening system that actually calls upon the the energy of the curvature of time and space. To bring into a deep healing consciousness into each person. Into the cells of each person's body. And just allowing that to unfold. And from here now just bringing through an energetic grounding cord running from each person's tailbone all the way down to the center of the earth. Beautiful. And then from here, bringing through an element of air to just bring each person into a place of deep spiritual inner peace with the mental body. And bringing through the element of water, to just bring through a beautiful waterfall flowing down from above, washing through everybody's chakras, washing away any last energetic debris that's ready to be released. And bringing through the element of fire just to bring a little bit more energy into everybody's system. And I'll just finish with this energy that I call the Mists of Avalon, which has one intention, which is to help reconnect each person deeper to that sense. ...of divine mystery as it unfolds for them individually.
0: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble... With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: So that's just a short little sample, energy healing sample. And the cool thing about sending energy healing through recordings is I always tell people like, hey, just go back and listen to the recording again and again, and you can have a, a new experience each time.
0: Oh, my God. This was amazing, Brett. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm like, yes, honey. I wish I had like two hours of just (laughs) receiving that right now. Oh, my God. Listen, um, we have just a few more moments together. I wanted to just ask you about what's the most mystical thing that's happened to you? What's the most mystical experience that you've had in your life? if you're okay sharing it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm okay sharing it. So I would say the most mystical experience I had in my life was being on the beach in Thailand, in Koh Phan Yang near a place called the sanctuary, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a little mini Omega in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing that, I was also doing some magical awakening on myself. And I had this amazing experience of knowing kind of the oneness of my, my soul of, of feeling as I was feeling connected to the stars, the planets, even I felt in that moment, like it was almost having like past life planetary memories as though I was planets in different parts of the galaxy, remembering their, you know, billions of years of experience. And this was all kind of flowing into me as I was, you know, dipping in the water and letting the waves wash over me. So it was very beautiful and amazing and just feeling this sense of, being the universe remembering itself while inside of me was it would be the best way I could describe it and it was a very powerful experience so I've had a lot of amazing mystical experiences and that that one I would say is is probably at least the one that
0: comes to mind right now is is certainly one of the most profound. I love it. I haven't been to Kopenham and or the sanctuary, but I, honey, I've read about that place. I've wanted to go for years. <laughs>
1: Thank I you for sharing that. That's
0: actually listening to you yeah. say that. It's a synchronicity for me. Um, so last question. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be spiritually sassy? I'm, I'm involving the community to help me define this term. So what do you think that means? What it means to you to be spiritually sassy?
1: To me, spiritually sassy means being willing to say what's on your mind in the moment, even if it's like, you know, fuck or shit or whatever. I think sometimes in, in our, our spiritual communities, we can censor ourselves in terms of the language that really wants to come through. And it's just mm-hmm. being, I think, 100% ruthlessly honest, but in a positive way, you know, in a way that's just authentic and love. And sometimes sometimes love can be like a mama bear, Or a tiger that like has to like be very fierce. So for me, being spiritually sassy is allowing that that compassionate fierceness to be part of that equation, you know, so that you're not always so Mm -hmm. concerned about am I being calm and peaceful and centered? Like, yeah, that's great too. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just gotta let things fly where they need to fly, you know? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my God. That's literally so like such a big part of the, of, of what I've been, you know, speaking to for a while. It's like, it looks, it will, it it sometimes, uh, wisdom will sound fiery. Sometimes Mm -hmm. compassion will be audacious. Sometimes Mm -hmm. love will be loud. Sometimes Mm -hmm. joy will be sharp, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't mean that it's bad, you know? So thank you for no. that, guys. Everybody, go get Brett's new book, "Healing Racism," within a Lightworkers guide. Where can we find the book? Is it everywhere? It
1: should be. I mean, I know it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Hopefully, your local bookstore also has it on their shelves. If they don't, you could certainly order it. So yeah, it's 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 going to be out, distributed all over Great. all over the U.S. and around the world. So yeah.
0: Amazing. And I'm, we're going to put the link for you guys to buy the the book in the show notes. So go to the show notes to get it too. Brett, what an honor. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and educating us and for your beautiful vulnerability. I'm just so grateful that we've, we're like coming full circle.
1: Yeah, I think I thank you. And it's just so good to connect and to see your face and to hear your voice again. And I look forward to Aww. more of that. You know,
0: Thank you very Me much. Me too. Yeah, thank God for you and everyone. Love you. Lots of love. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Lots of